When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is The Movies That Made Me, with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. There's and now there's some Josh Olson in the military, Joe, who's getting a lot of... Um, oh, yeah? He pops up a lot, yeah. When I when I Google myself, which I never do, by the way, I'm told people are asking to read their script. Yeah, that would be great. Okay, <laughs> Corporal Josh Olson, you guys hear me? Oh, fantastic! Yes, right. we can, we can. How are you, sir? I'm good. Yeah, yeah, very good. Excited, excited to uh, excited to talk to you guys. Oh, excellent! Yeah, no, we're we're thrilled to have you. I'm I'm a long long time fan, um, and uh, you know we had um, relatively early on in the show because you know we started this out. It was just like we would call up our friends and have them come on because we knew enough people, and then we started running out of. Honestly, we ran out of friends, but <laughs> we couldn't just keep having the back, so we started stalking people. And um, uh, we had Sarah Violet and Charles on very oh, early wow. on. Oh, yeah. Wow. I was such a giant fan of that show. And they yeah. were, um, uh, I made a point of stalking them. And Oh, my were, God. Yeah. They were, they're they the were delightful. Yeah. No. And did, that. Did they tell you that I was their screenwriting teacher at NYU? And that's how we all connected? No, they did not. Yeah. That, so I was just exploiting their talent. But um, they were, uh, I was a, in the screenwriting department at NYU grad film for about six years. And that's how I met them. And then they came out to uh, Los Angeles after they graduated. And um, I was doing a TV show at the time on Netflix called wet hot American summer. And I hired them to write for me on the show. And then uh, we started talking about coming up with something ourselves. And then that turned into search party. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. I'm I'm sorry. I should have known, you know, one of the great things, um, about doing this show is we do no homework whatsoever. Our guests have to do it all. Um, but I should have, I just sort of assumed I knew everything, but I didn't realize you were a screenwriting teacher. That disrupts my sense of reality. Why? I, you, you're, you're, you're not what one would, I mean, you, you wrote, you don't co-write Wet Hot American Summer and then, you know, go teach screenwriting. Go teach screenwriting. You, I was, well, I, I, you I bask in godhood. No, normally, no, no. You? I <laughs> couldn't, as I often like to say, I mean, it, it's like, you know, you know, people in Brooklyn, like recognize me on the street, but it didn't, it wasn't paying the rent. Right. Um, and uh, I actually, yeah, I mean, I was, um, there was a period where I was sort of rethinking my, how I wanted my career to go because I really wasn't being able to find any like continuity between projects. I would do something and maybe it would have a good response or something, but 
it wasn't like helping me get hired to do right. other, like the next thing. And so I started teaching at NYU and I kind of had a plan to uh, teach full time and, and maybe make a movie every couple of years or something like that. Um, because I was, like I said, I just wasn't being able to find any kind of like con con continuity. And so uh, that's, that's, that's how it, that, it was in that period that I met Sarah Violet and Charles. Oh, wonderful. Well, I, I, yeah, that, that show is amazing. And without giving anything away, because the great thing about the world we live in now is like people just wait and then they binge them all. So uh, if you haven't seen the finale um, <laughs> of Search Party, all I'll say is it does a thing I've always wanted a TV show to do or a movie that I've always wanted to do. And and they pull it off and I love it. And um, uh, I, I, I can't even say any more. But yeah. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, that that show's been so fun, so fun to work on, and it's totally out there and wild. And yeah, at, in a way, the ha HBO Max is like the best thing that ever happened to the show because for years it was on TBS and mm -hmm. no one saw it. It was just it was just it would come out, a season would come out, and then disappear into the whatever. And then HBO Max, it was able to kind of like aggregate it all together, and people were able to binge watch and all of that it was great. Yeah, no, it's yeah. fantastic. Well, I remember you'll be you'll be happy to know I, I probably you probably have a nickel of my money because somehow I couldn't I don't remember why, but while it was on TBS or shortly after, the only way I could get it was to buy it on iTunes. Yeah, the, the first season, so that's what I did. So yeah, so uh, you're you're paying back that nickel by coming on the show. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. We should should we we should introduce our, uh, our oh you might mention his name. I mean. Yeah, um, yeah, no, just a little bit in awe because it really, I, 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 Michael Showalter is, uh, uh, I mean, God, from, from, what do you, actor, director, producer, writer, screenwriting teacher? Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like directing and producing is like kind of the main thing right now for me. Okay. Um, I do love to write, but it takes me forever. I'm very slow with writing. Um, it's, it's the hardest part. Yeah, yeah. It is. I, I like working with a writer. I like, telling a writer what to do basically um but but oh, therefore I a, very, a director there we go yes, yes exactly <laughs> but, but i i uh i when i'm writing my own scripts i just takes me forever i love it i love it yeah. and i'm always working on something but it's 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 not like it doesn't come easily deadlines that kind of thing right whereas whereas directing i feel like i'm i've kind of feel pretty at home doing that and same thing with with producing stuff well you're and i feel like most of the stuff you know from the state to wet hot to i mean god he's, he's written or directed or whatever search party uh recently director of the eyes of tammy Faye and the shrink next door um and a producer and director on the dropout which uh, whose last episode will be dropping this week no uh, on, uh on this Hulu. week is, oh oh yes it's the most no, recent we're. episode it's the most recent episode not the no, last no, we're, we're we're not releasing this until the last episode oh, oh okay, so, okay yeah okay. yeah play oh, okay. play got along it, with it like, oh sorry yes. sorry sorry yes, yes. yes. go so off my he, cues he cuts all this stuff out to me okay good okay good no i love i love that he can't take a cue that's fantastic <laughs> <laughs> i was like <laughs> i'm keeping that in <laughs> um the uh yeah yeah no but acting i i, I stopped i the acting thing went away a while ago i just i could never get Again, I, I just, I would audition and there was always five people better than me, always. So right. unless I was writing the part for myself, it was very un unlikely that I was gonna get jobs acting. But um, I'm, I, I'm, every once in a while, I, I enjoy doing a little bit of acting. Well, it, it seems if I can't just, I'm sort of taking a look, cause it is, it is, you're not, 
there's a great diversity to the stuff you do and the stuff that you do within the stuff you do. Um, it, it, I'm, I'm guessing you're someone who likes to collaborate. Love to collaborate, love to multitask. I love having 10 things going on at once. Ah. Um, yeah. So you found your so business you, then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, yeah, I do. I really love, uh, working with the writers and the actors and, the, you know, the DP and the production designer, and I'm into all of it. Costumes. I, I like every aspect of it. Yeah. Even the executives. I even enjoy dealing with the executives. If you can believe it. Yeah. You must have nice executives. Okay. okay. Listen, just between that, you have to say that, right? They're making no, if it's the that. right executive, <laughs> if it's the right executive. Yes. Yeah. There's quite a few executives that I really like. Or I, yeah, Joe, they're, yeah, they're, come on, Joe, you've got a few. No, no, I've, I've worked with, I've worked with executives yeah. that were very helpful and I've worked with executives who did everything they could do to screw it up. Yeah. 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 Definitely. You worked want the, overtime at it. You want the first, you want the first kind, I think. Worked <laughs> overtime at it. Oh yes. my God. Well, what are they? Are they, is it, are they disgruntled somethings or is it just that's who, or is it just that's. Uh, sometimes, sometimes there's disgruntled people who didn't get what they wanted to be or they wanted to be. Uh, there was a TV executive who wanted to be an actor mm. and he had failed and he hated actors. Ah. And so whenever you'd be casting a show, he would be incredibly merciless to the mm. actor. And to the point where sometimes you just have to say, look, if you're going to act like this, I'm leaving. <laughs> you just do it yourself. Uh, because there's a, there's a, these, a lot of these people are very angry. Yeah. They have a lot of money. They have big swimming pools and sexy wives and all that, but, you know, but it's not you know, what they want. Not, it's not it's what not they wanted. Yeah. yeah. Or sexy husbands, Joe, on 21st century. That's, I haven't, I, I don't remember any nasty women executives really? in my experience. Yeah, okay. I, I, for some reason, my first couple of years of the business, I, I ran through a slew of, of um, um, phenomenally terrifying uh, women bosses. Um, in the film industry, some of whom are fairly legendary characters, but that's, uh, that's for might that not just be a sign of your own inadequacy? Probably, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Um, but uh, <laughs> this is what we do, Michael. We uh, we have guests on it, and we talk about our we psychoanalyze each other bitterness. <laughs> but uh, um, but you're a movie guy. Clearly, I mean, sure. from just looking at your stuff, were you were you someone who, like, especially because you came to it, at least it seems from the outside, you came to it sort of through comedy, through the sort of, yeah, um, and performing and, and writing everything. Were you someone who, was it always like going to be movies? Was that always the way into it? Or did you kind of? Uh, maybe. I mean, I grew up uh, in a suburb in Princeton, New Jersey and college town. and. Uh, I don't think I ever thought, and that's, this is where the teaching comes into it. I mean, I, academia was like, both my parents were college professors and I never, being in the entertainment industry seemed like something that I could never do. Like it didn't seem a, an option. Um, like how do you ever, and especially a director like that, mm -hmm. that I never would deign to think that I could do that. It just seemed like a very rarefied thing. And, um, so I knew that I wanted to do comedy when I got into college. And so I got into a, a improv group, a sketch group and that kind of thing. And then that kind of turned into a little bit of a career. I mean, I had a, uh, you know, had a conversation with my parents after I graduated from college and it was sort of like, give me five years to try to make this work, you know, 
Um, and that's where I had this sketch group, the state, which was on yeah. MTV in the early nineties. Yes. And, um, kind of like right out of college, I did have a pretty amazing job and, and a career already. And we were making our own videos and editing them and, and all of that. And, uh, so, um, it all was very kind of like weird, you know, like there's just as so many careers in this industry are, I'm sure where you just kind of one job leads to the next and all of a sudden you're doing it. Right. Um, right. But uh, it took me, the directing thing happened quite late for me. I did direct a movie in my thirties called the Baxter, which uh, I truly had no clue what I was doing. I'd never directed anything before. I didn't know anything about it. And um, it took me 10 years before I directed anything else. And that was this movie, Hello, My Name is Doris, with Sally Field, by which time I was in my 40s. And forgive me if I'm, I'm again, the terrible, you know, research stuff. You're, you're the lead in the Baxter, too, right? Am I, I am. Yes, I didn't. How... I didn't want to be. It's something that I don't that 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 I that not a lot of people know is that I wanted Paul Rudd. And at the time, IFC, who made the film, the Baxter was like, no, 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 no. Like, who's Paul Rudd? <laughs> like, we need you. You know, you got to do it. It was like, OK. Okay. And then like two wow. seconds later, and then like two seconds later, Paul Rudd was, you know, Paul Rudd. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I was apparently... like, how, how are you feeling about that decision now that you forced me to, because <laughs> I think they liked the narrative of like, he wrote it, he directed it, he's in it. I think they liked that. Right. Oh, yeah. that's funny. So, so yeah. you actually, you, you wrote, directed a film that you started in and you did not want to star it. No, I wanted Paul Rudd. That is, that is, uh, how My often is that? It? That this was 2000 and I don't know, maybe 2005. Well, Paul was pretty established. He, he was, well, he was, but he wasn't. I'm looking him up right. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, I, I did a picture with Paul in, in, uh, 19, in uh, 94 called Runaway Daughters. Uh, for yeah, sure. he'd, well, he'd certainly been around. Done, he is a hundred years old. That's he's done clueless. Yeah. He's, yeah. He had done clueless, but um, I don't know. They weren't into it. He's, he's in the movie. Well, here, here's the funny thing is he's in the movie in a very small part. And then his part was the funniest thing in the movie. And so we did additional photography and they were like, shoot more Paul Rudd scenes. <laughs> and so we did, we did a, pit, a whole day of pickups with where we added a bunch of stuff with Paul Rudd. Wow. So, uh, That's but, but yeah, but so then uh, it was about 10 years before I did anything else. And by that time I had moved from New York to Los Angeles and was just writing on a TV show. And that was going to be my whole thing. I was more than happy to be writing on a TV show. I had a family and all that. And, um, and then uh, a producer named Daniela Taplin came in and was, was willing to finance the, the hello, my name is Doris for not a lot of money. And, and then and she didn't uh, think you should play this. No, Doris. No, no. <laughs> Got saddled with Sally Field. I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, well, hell man. I, I, as I said, I've, I've been a fan of your stuff for a long time. And sort of one of the joys of this show is we get to sort of track you people down and force you to talk to us about movies. Um, I'm really interested in, in sort of like what kind of stuff, uh, you know, makes you tick. What inspires you when you're uh, sitting in a movie theater or watching something on video or like what are the films that have. Well, I made that. I had that list. Oh yeah. We're pretending we don't have. Oh, we are. Oh, we are? oh so I just. The cues. Oh, it's all spontaneous. You see. Ah, 
I obviously haven't been prepped, guys. <laughs> Quite all right. Yes, he did set a list. The, 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 I guess what I should say is there's a Because I was going to be list. like, I made a list, but we could talk about other movies too. <laughs> Uh, which would be more than happy, I'm sure. Very it's hard ecumenical to, of you. It's hard to make a list of 10 oh, it's, movies. Oh, it's murderous. We've, we've had one or two guests. Uh, oh, who was it? Little Steven came on a while ago. And the night before, he just sent me this email and said, fuck it, pick 10. And there was a list of like 75. Yeah, movies. yeah. Well, it's almost like I just pick the first 10 that come to mind because there's really probably 100. Of course. And, and, yeah. And, uh, like and, yeah, and so I, I just probably just, but but I, Am I allowed to talk about the fact that we've had some, there's been some email communications prior to this? Am I allowed yes, to? Are. Okay. Oh, sure. Yes. Um, you know, wanting to maybe include some films that aren't the, you know, that maybe are a little bit off the beaten tra track mm -hmm. was, was helpful for me. Cause you know uh, it did allow me to dig into some of the movies that like kind of were those like aha mo moment movies yeah. where you just sort of are like, have your mind blown in some way that expands your brain a little bit. And, um, and, and that touch you in some deep, deep way too, not just as, as an audience and not just in terms of an audience experience, but also artistically that you're seeing something that speaks to you artistically that, right. Uh, and what, what I noticed in thinking about, those movies for me, which uh, is that they all kind of um, sh what they all I think share is is a kind of a they are genre movies in some respects, but they tend to um, bend the genre in different ways, and and that that I think was 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 what touched me, um, and I I. I could easily easily have included included your both of your film some of your films in there as well as movies that live within the live within genre because I do love I love genre movies and yeah. and and very much adored all types of genre movies growing up and you know you name it just about but also the ability to bring you know humor to a to a horror to bring horror to a a comedy or to bring you know uh romance to a whatever you know those are the right. things that that stuck stuck out to me and so as i as i was thinking about it, i think those are the movies that and something personal some sense that there's something personal happening and yet the movie has some is is clearly has a universal appeal to it is also also right. there's something universally appealing to it so so um yeah i mean um let me pull that up now yeah i mean that, that I, I i love that too like the kind of movie that you can just worst case scenario you can sort of just appreciate for its kind of um you know kind of uh, elemental genre elements if you will um, yeah they have a good plot good, good car chase what have you yeah but, good, yeah but, yeah but that there's more going on if you feel like uh, kind of diving in. And the other thing that really was interesting for me was in, in thinking about it too, was that it, I'm realizing that they all kind of are from when I was a teenager. I think I had this idea that they were spread out through my whole life, including when I was younger than a teenager, but they're really all like from like 1985 to 1990. And so mm -hmm. that maybe kind of tells me that that's when my mind was like most open to it in some way. Um, and I certainly have lots of movies that I've loved since then, but yeah. um, the, the somehow feel like the movies that really like deeply impacted my psyche kind of came between 1985 and 1990.
Interesting. Okay. Yeah. No, we all kind of have our periods, I guess. Um, but that's uh, yeah. Well, let's 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 grab one and let's talk about it. What do you What do you want to hit first? What about? I'm looking for my list. I got to find my list. Oh well, here. How about, how about since we've given it away? Why don't we? You want to talk about Baghdad Cafe? Sure. Have you guys seen it? Oh yeah. Yes. 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 Um, Several times. I I mean, this was definitely one that was like. Uh, you know, Jack Palance plays this, it, it's, it's sort of a, a romantic, I would guess I would call it a romantic comedy, maybe. Um, and uh, just very strange, incredibly beautiful, odd, funny human film. Um, Percy Adlon directed it. And, and um, one of the things that really stuck out Stucks out to me about it was that the soundtrack, there's a song in the soundtrack that they repeat over and over again in the movie. Oh, um, Taunt, I am calling you. Yes, 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 yes. And they keep playing that song over and over again. And I was so, I just love that so much, the repetition of that. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think I've really seen that before or maybe even since. Although I did, did sort of notice in this movie, Coda, she keeps singing that there's that song that she sings in Coda that she keeps singing over and over again. And I love that. I love, I love, I love that sense of repetition. You hear the same thing over and over again, but it's sort of different each time, even though it's yeah. the same melody every time, but it sort of takes different meaning every time. So um, they do you know, that in the long goodbye. I was going to say the long goodbye. There's like 18 <laughs> different versions of the song. And even to the extent that when somebody rings a doorbell, it's the theme to the long goodbye. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the Alban film. Yeah, but and yeah, Jaw it's, it's, and Jaws. And, well, Every sure. time Jaws comes up, you hear mm -hmm. the same music. Or uh, I get, of course, "Fight the Power" comes to mind. That's um, in, in "Do the Right Thing." Yes, yes. Uh, but yeah, no, it's such a great song, and it, it you do wonder. Do you know anything about the make? Did you know Percy? I mean, I, Joe. I'm, no, no. I, I, I. I'm I wondering think, if, like, I'm wondering if, like, he heard the song and was like, "I, I have to have this and use it," or did he go to his composer and go write me a haunting song that people are going to fall in love with? You know, what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that are going to get the Baghdad Cafe soundtrack. Yeah, um, because they need to hear this song again. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I should know, right? I should have researched all this. No, 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 no. Is that my job? No, absolutely not. No, that's not your job. Yes, um, but no, actually, but I, I wonder if Joe knew too. Because uh, do you know anything about Percy Adlon, Joe? Or you? I don't really. I've seen. I saw the movie when it was new, and I think yeah. I've seen it once in between somewhere. Is Shirley Stoller in that movie? Is she who's, the, who's um, the who's the the, the woman? The, uh, her name the, is Mar Marianne Sagebrecht. That's and she, right. Yes, and right. she was in. He did another movie. He made one other movie that I think isn't a not an English language film. That was also popular. That she was the lead in. Um, oh, and, he's German, yeah. Yeah, he's German, and um, oh yeah, calling you, yeah. And uh, I don't know. It was just like I guess I feel like it was sort of this period, uh, you know, very much that kind of I sort of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like classic '80s quirky indie feeling movie that 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 is just very special and and has and and has a very wonderful performance in it by jack palance kind of playing this very soft romantic character yeah it felt like we used, to, play, we used to call those pitches art house pitches art house right. there you go there you go 
What did I call it? It's a movie. An, an, an indie? An, an indie. indie. Yeah. It is yeah. an indie, but, an but indie there album. was a certain breed of movies in that period that were yeah. essentially played in art houses and didn't and didn't didn't make it into downtown. Or I'm pretty sure that I saw it at, um, was the Angelica open in 1987? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw it at the Angelica because be a lot of yeah. these movies, I feel like, were Angelica movies. And um, I would see double, two of them, you know, you could, sneak in and see the, sec- the second one. And um, yeah. And um, I feel like was with that, that was kind of like a comeback for Jack Palance, wasn't it, Joe? He'd been sort of. Well, he, you know, he was a very uh, eclectic actor. I mean, he would, yeah. he would, he took a lot of jobs because they were jobs, you know, but he was doing all those European movies, uh, a lot of Italian Westerns, uh, you know, like, like everybody in that era. It was like, well, you know, that's where the money is. They're making yeah. actors over there. So let's go over there and do them. Um, and he had a pretty good career. And then, of course, you know, the city slickers, the city yeah, slickers well, yeah. thing yeah. was like, you know, a culmination, hardly the greatest thing he ever did. But because um, I, I think the Robert Aldrich movie Attack is probably the best, his best performance. But um, but he was a fascinating actor. And yeah. for a guy who looked like him. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's pretty amazing that he had the career that he did. But he just had this wonderful gentleness in that film. He's so he's like a he's painter. Just, he's and he's in yeah. love with her. He's really in love with her, and she's not classically beautiful. Um, and and he's takes this huge liking to her, and they just have this lovely, you know, romance together. And um, it was just a really and you just kind of think the producer saying, you know, when, when he suggested Palance, he goes, Jack Palance. Jack Palance. Yeah. Which one, James Mason or something? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. he did it for Michael Powell. You know, he could do it for you. That's right. But yeah. um, uh, now Palance is, is terrific. Isn't it? Yeah, he's, he's lovely. Um, and I feel like, I mean, I was, you know, relatively young when I saw it. I mean, I, I feel like I had not seen him do anything like that at all. It was just a real, uh, very, very cheerful surprise to see him do that, you know. Um, He's lovable in it. He's just lovable. Very, yeah, yeah. I want to see that movie again. I haven't seen it in a while, but it always sticks out to me um, as just a movie that, um, yeah, that just made me love movies and the and the possibility yeah. the possibilities of 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 showing it, it holds up. I'll tell you this. Char- yeah, showing different mm-hmm. kinds of characters. Yeah, because it's about this sort of community, this ragtag community. And I, I showed it to my wife a couple of years ago. I had not seen it probably since it came out. And and yeah, please, please define that it holds up. If you if you loved it in the late 80s, you'll probably love it. Good, good, yeah. good. And then uh should should I move on to another yeah, sure. another yeah. another German directed film? Yes. Another German director, American film, Paris, Texas, um, 1984. He likes Germans in American desert. <laughs> apparently, apparently, um, Sam Shepard wrote this script. Um, uh, Harry Dean Stanton and Natasha Natasha Kinski are the, yeah. the, lead, the play the leads. And I don't know, similar to Baghdad Cafe in some respects, in that there's also a haunting soundtrack, a famous haunting soundtrack yeah. by Ry Cooter. And this was another one too, where you know I owned the soundtrack, the Paris, Texas soundtrack, and listened to it over and over again. Uh, it's like all slide guitar; it's just slide guitar. Yeah. There's nothing else. Um, really heartbreaking, beautiful story about a man who's uh, uh, he's a uh, 
he's had amnesia. He's sort of enters into the movie having been sort of just drifting around and he sort of comes back to put the pieces of his life back together. And he kind of reunites with his, I guess his estranged wife and their son. And um, it's just heartbreaking, beautiful film. Um, and gorgeous to look at, my God. It's gorgeous to look at and, and kind of funny, but not really. It's not really very funny. It's, it's sweet. There's some sweet, there's a scene that I'll always remember where he's walking. He's sort of trying to become friends with the son. He's sort of trying to reconnect with the son. And there's a scene where the son is kind of weirded out by him. I think maybe the son knows it's his father, but they don't really know how to communicate. And the son is coming out of school and Harry Dean Stanton's waiting for him across the street. And the son is sort of like, you know, like doesn't want to talk to him. He's a little shy or whatever and starts walking away. And Harry Dean Stanton's walking on the other side of the street. And then the boy stops and Harry stops. And then the boy kind of makes a funny face and Harry makes a funny face. And it's this really long scene of them walking parallel on the either side of the street, kind of playing. And, and it's, yeah, it's there. There's they connect, and it's just it's just so sweet. Um, and then he ends up kind of figuring out what happened, and it's pretty horrible. It's what what he kind of learns is that he was abusive towards Natasha Kinski. Um, that he that that this earlier version of himself was really violent and filled with rage and all these things, and uh, so it 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 kind of it kind of goes to a really, you know, heavy place, but, um, but it's a, it's a very powerful, beautiful film. Yeah. I, I, I love it so much. Um, I feel like I must, I, they didn't come out at exactly the same time, but somehow I saw it the same day I saw Pee Wee's big adventure. There's a double bill. Well, I remember, and I think I saw something else the same day. It's one of those days where you're just going to a bunch of movies, but I remember the amazing thing was, was, uh, they both have a scene set in the same place. Do you remember that that diner um, with the dinosaurs? Uh-huh. And in one of them, and not that, I mean, Pee-wee's a great looking yeah, film. Yeah, Pee-wee's Big Adventure was 85 and uh, Paris Texas yeah, was like 84. By the time yeah. Paris, Texas had sort of made it to the Ritz in Philly or something, there was close enough. And, and uh, but, you know, in Paris, Texas, it's the same place, but it's being shot by Robbie Mueller. And, and it's just night and day. It was just yeah, this, yeah. like, this, this, this class and, you know, what a, great dp can do because mm. those dinosaurs look amazing in mm. paris texas uh, it's just a gorgeous film mm-hmm. yeah um also wasn't that uh, i believe um our friend allison anders was vim vendor's pa on paris wow, texas really? yeah yes or she worked on it i think she was a pa i'm not sure but yep yep well and and also i mean like i'm sure that i wanted to watch that movie because J- um harry dean stanton plays um, Molly Ringwald's father in Pretty in Pink, and so it was That's like, right. oh, I'll I'll watch this because he was guy. in Pretty in Pink. <laughs> yeah. Um, little did I know, but uh, I don't know which. Maybe pretty, this might have come before Pretty in Pink, actually. But he's well. He's also he's also in Escape from New York, which is another one of my movies that I that I that. I oh yes, movie. yeah. And he's that. in Escape from New York as well, so it could have been that. Yep. Yeah, he had been in a ton of things, but I, I kind of love that though. When an actor or something will take you to a movie that ends up being completely not what yeah. you expect. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Well, yeah. Well, since you brought it up, you want to talk about uh, 
Escape from New York? Am I the first person? I can't possibly be the first person that's wanted to talk about Escape from New York. No, but it doesn't. It hasn't, it hasn't come up that often. Um, I mean, we have discussed Hamburger, the motion picture on this show. So don't. don't yeah, we have, we have pretty eclectic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's good. Uh, good. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, I didn't put the Warriors on here, but I, I and I, that, that's what I mean when I say I probably just picked 10 out of the top of my head. But right. uh, Escape from New York. Uh, John Carpenter, 1981, uh, Kurt Russell, amazing cast, yeah. amazing yeah. cast of character. Actors. Lee Van Cleef. Lee Van Cleef, yeah. um, Donald Pleasance, um, Harry Dean Stanton, Brid, uh, Adrian Barbo, Borgnine. Uh, Borgnine, that's right. Ernest, yeah, Ernest Borgnine, uh, uh, Isaac Hayes. Yes. Um, just a great, great, incredible, gritty action movie um just like riveting suspenseful uh, uh kind of um post-apocalyptic um great plot the main character that that uh kurt russell plays this character snake pliskin who has an eye patch and um is is a criminal but he's kind of a good guy and um, they've sent him into, they've turned Manhattan into a, a criminal, a, a, like a colony yes. for, you know, a prison basically prison, like, yeah. yeah, like they just turned, they just walled it off and it's where they just, they like take criminals there and just drop them into man, into the city of Manhattan. And they just have to like fend for themselves. And, uh, the president is, uh, been his air, his helicopter crashed and now he's being held hostage. Inexplicably inside. British inexplicably British. Yeah. And, uh, played by Donald Pleasance and, uh, they'd sort of send snake in there on a suicide mission pretty much to go get him out. And, um, they put a, is our spoilers. I can't do, I can't tell. Well, it's, you know, well, it's, it's, I, you know, I think the jury's a, back a, on that. It's a fairly well-known movie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they put a, like a, like a thing in his neck that's going to explode in 24 hours. And, he goes in there and he saves, he saves, he, he saves the president. Um, but then has this great moment at the end where, where like the president is giving his like speech about like his bullshit speech about, you know, whatever. And all of the, like, it's sort of like he, he's forgotten all of the people that died to save him basically. And snake right. Plissken, who's actually a good guy, even though he's a bad guy like takes the thing that's going to save the world basically and throws it in the garbage can at the end of the movie. And, and yes. it's like this just awesome, <laughs> badass move on, on snakes part. And I just, it was in that movie also, it's just got millions of great quotable lines in it. And these, these actors just so strange and quirky and the world that was created, John Carpenter's world is so dark and brooding, but it's also really kind of fun and um, just loved it. Loved it. Do you remember, did you see it in the theater first, I assume? Probably, or, but I also feel like that was one that I probably rented and stole from the video store right. and just held on to. Ah, okay. Oh, you, so you didn't do the, uh, the tape to tape thing that uh, you just stole them? Well, how would I do a tape? What you like, you like put two VCRs together and yeah, like, yeah you plug oh, them together yeah, and then oh, you no. record them and, and you can fit three movies on one. I wasn't tape. They look like that shit, clever. but I wasn't even nearly tell the actors clever. apart. It looks so yeah, shitty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they look so bad. <laughs> Plus, yeah, all, was... Carp all Carpenter's movies are in widescreen. 
So everything, everybody who's, I, I discovered John Carpenter on VHS. Well, not really, because you saw half of it. Right. Uh, oh, I, well, there, yeah, I probably, I, and then, and he does his own music too, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so all his mu- song, all his movies have this like really weird, creepy soundtrack that's clearly like John Carpenter, like at a synthesizer, like plinking around and it's pretty amazing. Yeah. I, the, yeah. And that felt, that was definitely, that was a VHS staple. I remember just yeah. for years, like, uh, what are we doing? I don't know. Let's do, let's do escape from New York. And it's I, I was, I was at the uh, Afco embassy when he was around the time that he was making that. Cause uh, oh. he, he and I and Cronenberg and this group were at all motive moved from lower budget movies to slum, slightly higher budget movies for this one company. And what John did was, which I think was a, a great career move, was he decided that he was going to put his name uh, as a possessive in the front of all of his movies. Mm. So this was this was a, a, a move, I think that is, that parallels Hitchcock deciding to you know become a, a, the character that he was on his TV show by you know in his trailers and promoting himself as an icon. Uh, and all of John's movies say John Carpenter. Carpenter, the, yeah. The thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it was it was such a smart thing to do. I, I don't do that because I kind of don't approve of it because it's not really your movie unless you wrote it and directed it and shot it and started it, started it, but and started it. Uh, but um, started it. But uh, you know, I, I have to hand it to him. I mean, it was really a uh, very clever. Mm. Very clever move, which I, as I, I believe every every movie since then has been. Uh, uh-huh. I've yeah, somehow he gets a pass from people like you know. I mean, yes, you have. I, I have huge issues with those things, and and yet somehow. What with the possessive, the possessory credit? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, on Inner Space, I was supposed to uh, because Spielberg was constantly being. Um, uh, people would direct movies for Spielberg and everybody would assume he directed them. Mm. And he, after a while, he got tired of that. And he said, you mm-hmm. know, I, I, I don't, I, can't you put a Joe Dante film on this movie? And I said, uh, I, I don't believe in that credit. Uh, I, I, but, it, but if, if it's better if you do that, because otherwise people are going to think it's, it's my movie. So I said, okay, I'll do it on the poster, but I don't want to do it on the movie because mm. I've never done it on a movie. Mm. Uh, so it says Spielberg presents, blah, blah, blah. And then it's got the regular credits that all movies have. Like John Ford, it never said John Ford's. It said, you know, directed by. Mm-hmm. That was always, always good enough for me. Mm. But I but uh, I I have to admit that, you know, in the merchandising era. Yeah, it was um, smart. It was smart. Yeah. yeah. He did. Um, yeah, that's an interesting, interesting about that. The possessory credit. Um, I don't know if I've ever done it. Uh, it's definitely not something I've ever felt like I wanted, but I also, but I think about it. I wonder about it sometimes because you do a lot. You do, you know, you don't, it isn't the same. It isn't, there is, there is more authorship. It depends. I guess, you know what? I guess it depends. But you, you might get it anyway in uh, Europe because it says unfilmed. Unfilmed. And that's, and that's in France, that's, what they, if you're or, or if you're Spike Lee, up. it's a, if you're Spike Lee, it's a joint. A joint, right. right? So, Josh, as Mrs. Tracy once said, here's a word from our Spencer, and our Spencer is MoviesUnlimited.com, the expert on movies since 1978. You've got thousands of titles to choose from: classics, hard to find titles, new releases, 
support our sponsor and be good to yourself and also be good to us. Uh, exactly, Joe. Um, MoviesUnlimited.com is the best. They're not just huge fans of our show, but they have so many of the movies that we talk about uh, on every episode, like today's with Michael Showalter, um, last week's, next week's. Uh, you can almost always find uh, the movies we talk about there, especially if they've been released on video. There are occasionally movies we talk about that have never been released. They're probably not going to have those. But uh, if you go to our website, trailersfromhell.com, and click on the moviesunlimited.com banner, or go to moviesunlimited.com and click on the Movies That Made Me banner, uh, it'll take you to a list of all the films that are discussed on this show with links to where you can buy them. So buy your favorites at moviesunlimited.com. Uh, they are simply the best. And they're the movie collector's website, where shipping is always free on orders over $50. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Well, now I want to talk about more John Carpenter movies like Christine, which is one of my favorite, one of my, also one of my all-time favorites, but it's not on my list, but I won't go there. Is it? Okay, I got to um, go back. People keep telling me that, and I just remember being disappointed with it when it well, came out theaters, and I've never seen it again. So much of... Um, I think that Keith Gordon, who plays the main character, is excellent. We've had Keith on. He's 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 excellent in that movie. His care the character he created for that movie is stick, sticks with me even to this day. He's he's haunted. This kid who starts out as a total dork. Yep. And then he and then he gets hooked up with that car and he really changes. And Keith Gordon did something really spectacular in that role. Yeah. yeah. Um I loved the book. I, so a lot of my love for the movie is, is wrapped up in how much I loved the book. But um, I really liked that movie. I did. I really liked it. Um, Definitely need to go back because, um, yeah, I think I, I, it may be, I don't know, I think maybe, maybe that I held it to the book too much or something. Yeah, well, the book is better. There's a lot that happens in the book that doesn't happen in the movie that feels pretty right. important. Um, what about uh, Crossing Delancey? I have not we seen talk that about one Crossing since, oh, Yeah, talk about Crossing Delancey. I mean, that, if there's one movie that is probably in everything I've ever done, it's Crossing Delancey. Really? There's probably not one movie that has made a bigger impact on me as a writer and a director than Crossing Delancey. Um, really? Wow. Joan Micklin Silver, uh, 1988, Amy Irving. Peter Rieger are the leads. And then um, an actor, a bunch of great young actors that went on to do great things like David Hyde Pierce is in the film. And uh, uh, one of the Roach sisters, Susie Roach, Susie Roach plays Amy Irving's best friend. It's just a, it's just a, it's kind of a, it, it's sort of in the kind of continuum of Annie Hall ish new york set romantic comedies like post annie hall pre when harry met sally um beautiful love story very jewish very much set in 
the world of of sort of the old and the new sort of the the love the the opposing love relationship is between Amy Irving who works at a hip bookstore uptown and Peter Riegert who's uh lives on the Lower East Side and works at a pickle as a pickle booth and is um they call him the pickle man and and uh all his friends are you know he has a bubby and he's sort of like a pillar of the community and um she's sort of feels like he's too kind of old old world for her that that she's a modern woman and that he represents this kind of old-fashioned thing and that she wants to be with the fancy uh poet whose name i can't remember the actor um jeroen crabbe crabbe oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who's uh, the villain in um, The Fugitive. Right. Who plays the like the friend in The Fugitive who. Uh, well, this is spoiler. spoiler. I can't. I can't do it. I can't it's do it. Yeah. I can't do it. I can't. It's, it's too late, isn't it? It's, it's 30 late. years old, Michael. The movie's 30 years old. Late. I think you're safe. It's too it's, late. Uh, it's too late. But um, but uh, and he's such a jerk. Oh, God. In the in the crossing the land, he's such a jerk. He's so full of himself. And she's just so entranced by him. And Peter Rieger is so romantic. He's so romantic. He is such a romantic character. And uh, I just think it's like a perfect romantic comedy. It's really funny. It's beautifully written. And it's, you know, New York. It's it's celebrating a really real version of New York that 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 I love and and felt very close to and it also has some great music in it some great Roaches songs in it um, and uh, you know for 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 me as a screenwriter a, a one of the ways I learned how to write screenplays was by like you know dissecting movies that I love like over and over again and Crossing Delancey is one of the main ones. Ooh, but I want to um, I want to talk about that because that that's I get I get you're saying you watch movies as opposed to just studying actual scripts, you know? Well, I'll watch I'll I'll both yeah both but mostly okay, well it'll be like I'll get the script of the movie oh okay that, but I have to have the movie like etched in I have to be able to yeah. really understand the movie and the script um, but and it doesn't have to be a good movie either I mean a lot of for me it's not necessarily about it being a good movie it's more just like well, or I guess it's relative what that means that it's a good movie. Like, it's just a movie that I love. Right. And and Crossing the Lancy just has some really nice ideas in it for romantic comedy that that they do really well. Some sort of like, um, you know, some some moves. It has some really good moves in it, and um, some beautiful lines. I mean, the whole plot of the whole titled Crossing the Lancy comes from this idea that. Uh, you know, she, he sort of sees that she's, that she's stuck in this way. And he tells this story about this old man and the, that they met and she, she, he, he kept crossing Delancey and he couldn't, she couldn't, he couldn't see her eyes. She had this hat every time she'd cross Delancey, he couldn't see her eyes. So he buys her a new hat where he could see her eyes and he buy and then Peter Rieger and, and it's sort of like, you know, Peter Rieger buys Amy Irving a, new, a hat and, you know, the 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 note on the box, the present says like, you know, maybe you should try a new hat, Izzy, or something like that. And I just thought it was so it just touched me. 
Um, even in the movie that I just did, I just did a movie with Jim Parsons, uh, a sort of a romantic comedy, big, sick, esque, sad, funny. Um, you know, they're dancing. There's a scene where her, Jim Parsons and the love interest are dancing and, and they're talking about this club that they go to and the love in, the guy who he's dancing with is said, you know, he's asking, have you been here before? And he says, it's not really my scene. And Jim Parsons says, well, maybe you should try a new scene. And no one will ever know, yes. but that's, yes, a, exactly. that's, a, that's a tip of the hat to crossing Delancey. I love those. I love those sort of buried. Yeah. That, that you're the only one who goes to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, although now people will know. Now they'll know my You've secret is out. Well, I, I remember, I remember enjoying it. It's funny. I haven't seen it since it came out, but I did just recently rewatch for the first time in decades uh, between the lines, which I think was her next film. Maybe, uh -huh. or, which Joan is, Micklin silver. How is it? Yeah. It's so good, but it's just, yeah, it's just nobody makes movies like that anymore. It's just I this. Know interesting ensemble kind of slice of life and from a time and place and great characters and terrific actors and and not you know there's a little bit of a change in all their lives but they go on about their business and then the movie ends i know yeah <laughs> it's fantastic yeah yeah yeah. Unlike, unlike, say, uh, Between the was, Lines was 1987 and Crossing the Lancey was 1988. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but it's, it's, it's good stuff. Uh, you want to, you want to jump into something like completely different? Should we talk about 28 Days Later? I'm very Ooh, eager to hear you. Sure. <laughs> Again, um, this is a genre movie that, that isn't, that, that's more than just a genre. It's, it's a great genre movie, but then it's also, um, just a good movie. It feels almost like another, it, it's just, it's a good movie that happens to be a zombie movie, which if you love zombie movies is the best of two worlds basically. And um, I do love zombie movies. And um, I think, you know, the use of soundtrack, um, the, the way that it feels very real. I love, I love Danny Boyle's, the way that I feel like Danny Boyle you feel like it's happening. It feels very real. Um, yeah. Not not in a not necessarily in a verite kind of way. Although I suppose you could call it that. But it just feels like it's your real world. These are people you know. This is um, this is really happening, and I love that he does that. Um, so it's a big it's a big move. That's a big movie that's influenced me in terms of genre storytelling and and an approach to genre storytelling that. And, and his films in general, it's like he does comedies, he does romantic comedies, he does a horror movie, he does sci-fi, he does all these things, but they're all kind of Danny Boyle movies. They're all kind of interchangeable in a really great way. Mm -hmm. um, and I've loved most of his films. Um, and um, oh, I was just saying, yeah, that's the first script. Um, oh, okay. That's, so Alex Garland had written The Beach, yeah, the, novel, yeah. the novel before that. This was his first script. Or first right, script. right. And I wonder... Who came up? Because that was, Joe, tell me if I'm wrong. It was certainly the first time I'd seen it. I feel like it was the first time. It was one of those ideas that was so stupidly simple. You just want to punch yourself in the head. But the zombies run. <laughs> it changed yeah, everything. They, well, they run fast. They run fast. That was they the big fast. big change. Yeah. That everybody, because everybody was so used to shambling zombies. You yeah, know? I was like, like, oh, walk, walk quickly, and we'll get away from that. And uh, the idea that they yeah. could move quickly was like, oh, that's very cool. <laughs> yeah. And you know, um, but the the only Danny Boyle movie I don't like is The Beach. Mm, yeah, I 
I kind of like the beach. No, I just uh, didn't think it worked at all. It's uh, it's got some nice stuff there. It's got a scary shark sequence. I'll give it that. But uh, yeah, no, no, that, it's no shallow grave. Yeah, shallow that is true. grave. Oh, shallow grave is amazing. Shallow yes. grave is an all time classic that easily could have been on my list. Yes, but, oh, but what is on your list, which I think sort of goes as a double feature. With I'm going to guess what it is. Yes. Is it Blood Simple? It is Blood Simple. Yeah, Shallow Grave and Blood Simple are of a piece. Yeah. Like, hi, I'm here. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, first, yes. first time films by just incredible. I mean, just, yeah, you knew that these guys were going to be around forever from that movie, I think. Um, there was a movie... Let me see if this is what it's what I think it's called. What was that movie that had um, what was the first movie that had Billy Bob Thornton in it? One false move, yeah. One Carl Franklin that, yes. that he also wrote. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That um, I put that in that. I'd put one false move in there with um with uh yeah with, with Blood Simple and uh that's an amazing, amazing yeah. film. Um I just love those like, you know. With but with Blood Simple, I guess you know just the modern noir movies and another movie that has a soundtrack that's like repeat constantly repeats the same melody over and over again, um, and 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 a great example of a kind of twisted sense of humor, um, dark this incredibly dark riveting plot, but then there's this like kind of really great sense of humor that runs through it. Mm -hmm. um, it's, and, you know, all of these movies have that kind of one thing about it that, you know, that, that really sticks with you. With, with me and Blood Simple, it's like how long it takes them to kill Dan Castle. Dan, oh, yeah. Or Dan, 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 Dan They can't kill him. I yeah. guess they don't oh. kill him. They never kill him, do they? Or do they? Yeah, yeah, they do. They, but they eventually think they, they do. They think they have it. But it takes the them end. forever. Yeah. Yeah, because isn't that the yeah the great thing at the end is Frances McDormand's last you know when she says to to Emmett Walsh and she he realizes she thinks that he's her husband, then he never realizes it's Emmett Walsh, and he just starts laughing as he's dying. It's, uh, yeah, and Emmett Walsh is such a creepy character. It's yeah. so scary and hollow, and um, yeah, I mean I just fell in love with that movie. It's, well, there is it's this if, weirdness. Yeah, as as a comedy guy. Um, yeah. and it's insane to me. It makes me crazy because I know I have both of them because the criterion one looks better, but there is a Blu-ray of, um, blood simple that came out before the criterion version a couple of years before, and it's got a commentary track on it and the commentary track. Have we talked about this, Joe, mm -mm. and the commentary track is the head of the company. I believe it's called forever young pictures, which is the company that, uh, first discovered these guys first found this film at film festivals help them cut half an hour of extraneous garbage out of it, help them fix it up and turn it into something releasable because it was so awful. And it's detailed. It's entire 90 minute commentary track and it's all horseshit. <laughs> they go off on, they talk about the, the scenes with Emmett Walsh's father. He has to go back home to the oh, Soviet Union. You mean it's Union. not true. They're making it's, it up. They have written an entire 90 minute commentary track. Fake commentary. 
fake commentary. They talk about the opening scene, remember, where the lights coming towards you in the car and how the best, the only way they could get the timing down was to do it backwards, which meant they had to hang the actors upside down and shoot the whole thing. So it's like <laughs> uh, they're, taking, they're taking the piss out of DVD commentary. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's which a, is and not it's, hard to do. It goes, <laughs> it's entertaining all on its own. It's so good. It's worth tracking down. I'm sure it's on YouTube or something. So that, but that's not on the new. Uh, it's not on the criterion. No, that's too bad. It's yeah, yeah. But I, like I said, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. But, oh, that, oh sounds, that sounds amazing. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. I think all commentary tracks should be lies. <laughs> well, most yeah. of them are. So. Most of them are. Yes, that's right. The one, the ones that haven't been had a half an hour cut up for a lawyer. That's right. <laughs> that is right. Uh, cool. Well, speaking of movies, shall we? Shall we move on to the big picture? Oh yeah, the big picture. Um. I believe this was Christopher Guest's first film as a director. I believe. I think so. Was it? Um, uh, it has one of the best uh, oh, manifestations yeah. of studio executives that I have ever seen in a movie. Uh, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the characters, the, the studio executive characters. Yeah. And, um, J, uh, J, J, T, J, he, um, J, I'm, I always get him mixed up with Is it JT Walsh. Walsh. Yeah, JT Walsh. JT Walsh. JT Walsh, mm -hmm. and and he has a black assistant. Yeah, um, or second in command, who is so obsequious to people. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, and every time they take a meeting, it's a new the studio the like the ownership has changed or there's a new regime, <laughs> and so one time the the office is like very modern looking, and then they go back and it's like all like Tex-Mex, you know, it's all like Santa Fe, like. <laughs> Every time they go there, it's been redesigned in a totally different interior decorating style to reflect right. whatever the new president of the studio wants it to be or whatever. And um, it's, a, it's a really funny and clever and observant movie. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, it, it's, it's got this colorization joke in it. Oh, that's uh, so Where good. John uh, Cleese turns the color uh from oh, it? the tv on the bar they're watching the bar. Uh, it's a wonderful life is right. playing and kevin bacon is just sitting staring at it wistfully and john cleese is the bartender goes that's not right and he whacks the tv and it turns to the colorized version as he gets the antenna aligned has um and has unfortunately anyone... I, I had done a similar joke oh in no Ramon's two which was already shot and i had to cut it out oh because no it was the same joke and the same movie Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. Jeepers. Has anyone ever talked about um, big picture on, on your show? I don't think so. I don't think it's come up. Um, it also has this sort of classic thing in it where he, Kevin Bacon plays this sort of like graduate film school wonderkind um, who makes an, a, I think he makes the movie that wins the studio, uh, the, the student Oscar. Right. And so he comes to LA from New York and all every door is open to him. Everyone wants to work with him and they want to make his next movie. And his next movie, I believe, is a gay love story. It's two women. You're right. It's, yes. it's a love story between two women. And he's going to work with his DP from graduate school, played by Michael McKean. Yes, and right. and it's going to be like he's it's going to be in black and white, which is very important to him and all these different <laughs> things. And uh, basically, bit by bit, it's like the joke is sort of like, I love everything about it. Do they have to be lesbians? You right. know? And, and, and 
like, you know, little by little, it's like they're not lesbians. It's like Tom Hanks and, you know, Meg, Meg Ryan. And then it's like not in black and white, it's in color. And then they, they don't want to use his DP. They want to use the like Polish wonderkin DP or whatever. And Kevin Bacon basically like acquiesces to every one of these studio requests because he wants to succeed and he gets kind of seduced by the Hollywood the idea, the trappings of Hollywood and they like get him a Porsche and all this stuff. And then, uh, but uh, it's just, it's having then come to LA a few times in their, in their early nineties, it was like, oh yeah, this is pretty much like we did. We did after we did wet hot American summer and that movie went to Sundance and, and, you know, not a lot of people, but a few people said it was good. And uh, you know, literally had that meeting where it was like, we love your movie. We love everything about it. We want to do whatever you're next. And then it was like, can you do this thing the way right. we want you to do it? You know, like we love everything about you now. Can you do this in a totally Change. different way? <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, but I love, I just love that film. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's one of those films that just as years go by, you just realize it was a documentary. Yeah. Oh God. Totally. Uh, just to that. And uh, what's the, the Kevin Spacey one swimming with sharks. Swimming with sharks. Yeah. Like, Another documentary. Yeah. These are not, these were not creative people. We thought they were. We, we praise their creativity. They're talking about remaking uh, swimming with sharks as a, a series. Uh, no, it's, it, it, it's, it's done. That's, it's been made. It's done. Yes. It's it's, done. it may even be out. It may even be available. So imagine oh, how much a, fun that is. Every episode watching this kid get screwed. By oh my God. Boss. Yeah. I, I, uh, look, who knows? There's a, yeah. I, I, uh, I don't know if I want to go through that trauma, but I work in the business. So maybe, but it is different. <laughs> I, I don't know what, how you guys think, but I do feel like the Hollywood of big picture is not the Hollywood. I know it has changed. Well, that's because the Hollywood that you, that, that, is depicted in the big picture. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. There's still, I mean, but a lot of the same, um, I mean, no one goes to see movies anymore. For well, the, there's that. For, yeah. for one thing. <laughs> like there, no one goes to movies in the movie theater ju just for starters. Yeah. I would say, I guess the symptoms have changed. The disease remains the same. I yeah. Would, yeah. Would be my, would be my argument. Well, um, I think it'll be very interesting. Of course, this, won't get aired until afterward, but um, it'd be very interesting to see what happens with the Academy Awards this year because they uh, are certainly at a precipice. They're so desperate that they're actually taking some of the awards and not having the people, you know, uh, do it in front of a large audience. And um, uh, there's a tr it's the second time they've tried this bullshit. You you and, mean like all the craft awards? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Who needs who needs craft? It's so yeah, important. Yeah, come on, yeah. And editors, editors stars, come on, give us movie stars. I mean, you know, it, it's all of ABC is behind this. I mean, they want an entertainment show. You know, bring out the bring out the dancing bears. This is this is what they want. They certainly don't want people talking about editing. You know, whatever that is. Uh, so um, there's a lot of resentment uh, yeah. in town about that, and yeah. uh, I think. Um, they're so desperate to get ratings because they don't, the only money they really make is from ABC. I mean, that, that funds a lot of their activities, the some of which are, mm. you know, obviously very important, but um, I think it's been so mismanaged. I think the management at the, at the Academy is, is embarrassingly bad. And um, I, I can only hope that they get their come up. What do you think about like the kinds of movies that are getting like, like, you know, I was talking recently to somebody about, you know, and I don't honestly know my, for myself, I don't know. I haven't 
thought about it or done the research enough, but the sort of the idea that like how it, the kinds of movies, like why hasn't, why didn't Spider-Man get nominated? Big mistake, yeah. big mistake. And it, it's elitism, yeah. you know, it's, it, it's, you know, it's, it's not enough like Nomadland to, yeah. to be worth it, you know, to yeah. be worth uh, getting it. And, you know, I mean, yes, there is a prejudice against the idea of cookie cutter, popular films no cookie cutter marvel movies particularly right, because they're right. basically all the same movies yeah but whenever a movie comes out that's a little better than that you know and, and, and is obvious and, and saves the movie business financially in a, a very poor time you'd think that now they've upped it to 10 categories 10 nominees yeah, it could slip in you, there you could slip in there instead of maybe <laughs> some of the movies that don't really deserve no one sees again, you know uh, I, 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 I've, I've always thought the Academy Awards were kind of an embarrassment, but um, uh, this is beyond a pale. And and De and Denny Villeneuve not being nominated for Best Director. Ridiculous. Well, that's a weird thing when you, yeah, you have so many movies nominated, but you can't nominate the, especially something like that, yeah, which is so very much directed. But yeah. enough ragging on the Academy. But okay. But that's, you know, that's a function of the voting and how that works. So it's all, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always. Well, now we have to... hordes of new enlightened people who have uh, right. come into the Academy and who knows, maybe it'll change. Or not. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, in the about... I'm not in the Academy, so I don't. You're what? I'm, I'm, really? I'm, I'm free. Maybe you be? guys, maybe you guys can write me in. Maybe you guys can uh, recommend me or something like that. I, have, I guess you have to like ask. To be in it or something like that. You you would need you'd want to go in as a director, I would imagine. Yeah, so need, yeah, um, yeah. You I'm, need you need two I directors. Would, I certainly think that you're qualified. I yeah, I, I just haven't asked. I just haven't asked. Well, you should I'll, ask. Because otherwise, you won't get on the list. Believe me. Yeah, I want to. I want to be on the list. Yeah, so you get you just get two directors, two members of the director. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, my God, you just, you just, uh, I, I, you know, again, she's an amazing actor, but we do like to give the nod to directors too. You did just direct somebody who got uh, nominated for an Oscar. This yes, year. yes. Which, um, Chastain, that, that should count. Yeah. Should, yeah. I'll be there. Or, oh, you know, I, or, oh, or, or, or do I say I was there? You were, yeah, I, that's right. I went. <laughs> you went. I went. It was great. Uh, it was, <laughs> um, yeah, I'll be there. Well, we'll do two versions. Uh, how is her speech? And no, I, oh, um, uh, let's let's go. I want to go all out classic now because you've got one of my. I mean, as Joe knows, I have the giant uh, French poster for this hanging in my living room. Um, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, um, I can't imagine I'm the first person who's brought this one up. Uh, this no, but it hasn't, it hasn't gotten a lot of analysis. It's just it's just so goddamn good uh, this is this is one of those movies that just like it's like a i don't know like a warm hug of a movie for me um it's such a fun plot um the acting is so classic in its own crazy it's like clint eastwood at his best um another lee van cleef another yeah. lee van cleef movie which i i really loved this sort of like character actors of this time period. These all these oh. guys, all these guys. There were just so yeah. many of them. Yeah. And Lee Van Cleef was one of them. Um and 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 um uh, the ugly. Who's the ugly? Eli, Eli, Eli Wallach. Eli Wallach. Yeah. Eli Wallach. Yeah. Who, who um, built a, who built something of a career on doing that character. 
Yeah. After, you know, introducing it in um, The Magnificent Seven and then How the West Was Won, uh, he ended up being the go-to Mexican. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty amazing. Um, And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just um, this just unbelievably big, the, the pacing of it, it's so slow. It moves so slow. Um, well, which it's I an think opera. it's an opera. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's like, you really have to uh, give yourself over to it because it moves really slow. Um, but it but was a you, tremendous hit. I mean, you yeah. know, by the time it came out and people were inured because, you know, all those pictures, the, the three first, uh, Eastwood Leone pictures were all made, uh, in varying years, but they were all released in America the same year. Oh, the first one was made in 64 and the second one was made in 65. And then this was made in 60, but, but, you know, United Artists, is that, um, United Artists it, was hoping that the, if, if the Bond uh, series disappeared, they could replace it with the man with no name series. Ah. So they released all three of those pictures in 1967. Is that, um, the fistful of dollars and a few dollars more right. of those? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, how frustrating for Clint then. Well, he didn't. Things. He didn't know after coming back from the first two pictures whether or not they were even they, released they would in even, America. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, all the copycat movies had already been being starting to be released in America. Right. Are there any other Man with No Name movies besides those three? Not, not of the not, 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 in not that really. official series, but there are a tremendous number of imitations. I mean, yeah, there's, it, there's it, a million spaghetti westerns. The Italian film English. industry had been living on on sword and sandal movies. And then when the Westerns came along, it was like, oh, now we're going to do these. And all the same actors, you know, just put on different clothes and <laughs> often did all these pictures, all of which had ripoff scores um, of Ennio Marconi. Sometimes that, because, that became a whole, well, you know, he did a ton of scores and yeah. half of the scores were rejected by Leone <laughs> and used by other directors. Um, so it was, a, it became an entire new musical style. Mm. Yeah. And there's not, I'm going to, I don't think I've said this publicly and I'll probably get hung out to dry for it, but I, there aren't a lot of good spaghetti Westerns outside of the Leone ones. It's a, it's a frustrating. No, yeah, that, that is indeed spoken from ignorance. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's some good ones, no, but there are some terrific ones. Sergio Corbucci, Sergio Salima. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole bunch of Sergio pictures. And okay. then there's also a whole, it's, if you do a study, uh, I mean, yes, of course, like, like most things, uh, most of it is junk, but yeah. there's a lot of really, really good Italian Westerns. Many of them, many of them extremely political. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a handful of good ones, but, well, you've but got, you just, you need to, you need to curate, you need to have uh, these things curated for you. Well, I, I, someone should do a podcast where they talk about movies that I haven't well, seen. Well, we should get some uh, spaghetti Western people. On our <laughs> yes. And, I, and concurrently with that, there's also a series of urban crime movies. Were being made in Italy at the same time, yeah. which are also very political. Yeah, uh, and yep, all, almost fun. all of which were released in America. Yeah, and then of course, oh, then, and, and then the Giallo films. Yeah, where it was, uh, yeah, just so just rich, doing rich our genres for the uh, Italians. Yeah, um, uh, I'm going to hold you to that though. I, I'm going to need a list because I've almost given up. Uh, I'm looking at a list right now. Um, I, I I don't see too many that I recognize, but I don't I don't don't really know them anyway i wouldn't even if i i wouldn't know them even if i did um 
there's there's some stinkers. That's all I'll say. Joe's glaring at me. No, uh, are, of course there are. Of course, there's some bad movies they all in that region. They all seem to be getting new releases in in America. I'm like you know they do, and they keep finding all these different cuts and you know all this different stuff. And sometimes they're dubbed, sometimes they're not. Sometimes they put in new footage with subtitles. Um, but you've never seen the big gun now. Didn't love it. I love westerns. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's maybe what's, I just maybe it's Italians. Maybe what's that's your it. favorite? Yeah, what are, what's the best? What are the best westerns in your opinion? Are they are they? Well, the best westerns are not necessarily Italian westerns. I right. Mean, it's, it's just a, right. It's a great genre, you know. Uh, but it but they 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 changed it in a way that you know it was irrevocable, and uh, you you, I, you would never have had the Wild Bunch if you didn't have uh, right the Italian westerns. And then it seems like uh, kind of it seems like um, Clint Eastwood's own movies seemed very influenced by his what, spaghetti westerns that he. Made. Well, yeah, he learned he yeah. learned a lot. He learned a lot doing those things. But uh, it, 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 the times changed, you know, and, and uh, those the westerns, you know, it, it, westerns migrated into motorcycle movies. Uh, and, you know, they made the same kind of pictures, but they were car chase movies and motorcycle movies. And then after a while. The kids were so uh, unfamiliar with the whole idea of dirt and horses that the Westerns started to basically go out of style. And every so often there'd be an attempt to make a big expensive Western. Then it turned out to be Heaven's Gate, you know, or it would be uh, the assassination of Jesse James, you know, which is like a three hour movie. Um, the only one I think that, that managed to uh, escape that curse was Tombstone. Which is, you know, still got a, a big following, but for the most part, westerns uh, are sadly undervalued. I think. Well, that I was love kind of... I love westerns. Joe, did you make? Um, did you direct movie? Did you direct Corman movies? Yeah, yeah, I worked for Roger for several years. And did you do? Uh, did was he still making westerns? Or did he ever do westerns? No, no, western. Oh, no. He did westerns. He in did. The 50s. He did and, like and he, big and, them. All those like. Uh, Big Bad Mama and stuff, but I guess right, that's not those a are, western. Those are those crime westerns. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those are crime. No, he he paid for a couple of uh, Monty Hellman's westerns in the '60s, uh, which were then sold directly to television. Oh, like and, Ride the and Whirlwind and Ride the Whirlwind and the Shooting, uh, but they they were on the shelf for years. I mean, it, it was just it, the western is um, a, a fascinating study for so many reasons. I mean, you know. There's so many things going on in westerns politically, yeah, and yeah, yeah, you know, uh, with the Native Americans and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it, it is, it's a, it's a, you could do an entire course just on a yeah. field of study on westerns because they're so, they're so interesting and they're so diverse and they're, yeah, politically diverse. Um, I mean, we had a couple of really good ones this past year. I thought, I mean, um, uh, we talked a little while ago about Old Henry, which is, um, fantastic with tim blake nelson yeah i saw ads for that i haven't seen the film it's really good and then i loved because it's just sort of old school root and toot and shoot them up uh, the harder they fall oh yeah yeah uh, is delightful yeah um there's 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 it, and they say power of the dog is a western oh i've heard what that. they say <laughs> no that's true yeah I mean, yes, yes but according to sam elliott it's not a western because it no. was shot in new zealand right. yes because it was shot in a foreign country and you must never shoot a western in foreign countries yeah oh sam <laughs> have you seen the good the bad the i don't think that elliott. was his, i don't think that was his real issue with the movie. i don't think so either, uh, but uh but I, well, have my, I have my own issue with the movie so it has nothing to do with that but i just um 
Uh, I was going to save this one for last, but since we're well, we, we've only got two left, but since it is I a just western, I got to say one other good western. Oh like, yeah, was wasn't um, Chris Pine? Um, they played bank robbers. Maybe maybe. Oh yeah, but that was that was a uh, a kind of modern day. Yeah horror. yeah, but I thought that was really good that movie. Yeah yeah, him and uh, was it? Um, oh my god, the brain's going, Joe. I know Ben Foster. Ben Foster. Too many podcasts in one day. That's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> Are you guys like rolling podcasts? Are you rolling? Oh, we just, we are just, you rolling we, filmmakers today? <laughs> no, no. Oh, but you know, but yeah, that's that's why am I blanking on the name? Because I love hell, that film. Hell, hell or high water. Hell or high water. Yeah. And um uh from um now did did uh, uh oh my god, this is why people watch the show. It's that, it's that guy. guy. Did it's did Taylor guy. Sheridan direct it as well, or did he um just write it? He wrote it. Dave, he, David McKenzie directed it, who also that's right. I believe did um, Nightcrawler. And that's right. Yes. And then, but Taylor Sheridan now has, uh, I love this, like nobody in our cohort probably talks about it because it doesn't, I guess, hit the right chords. But, you know, the biggest show on TV right yeah. now is Yellowstone, yeah. which is modern day Western, is speaking, actually. Speaking great. of Sam Elliott. Speaking of Samuel. Well, that's right. He's in the. 1883. He's in the prequel, yeah. which yeah. is even bigger, I think, than Yellowstone. Yeah. And do you know the story? This is insane. Yellowstone was such a hit and they were unprepared for it. And they came to him and they said, quick, write us a Western TV show prequel. We'll give you all the money you need and we won't interfere at all. Wow. Sounds like Gremlins too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it worked out better. <laughs> it's, it's very similar to Gremlins too, Joe, in that, uh, I'm not sure, but, um, but it's great. But yeah, I was going to just because it, it, uh, Joe has not seen the list. I thought he'd get a chuckle out of this, but you did have three amigos on your list. Oh yeah. Gotta have three amigos. Um, I think, you know, uh, this list sort of became about like, you know, pieces of, of me, you know? Sure. So it's like, that's what we're looking for. Yes. The, it's so obvious that they're just having fun for each other in that movie. It's so clear that they're goofing around and like barely trying or at least that's what it seems like to me. At least Chevy Chase is definitely barely trying, but it's so, oh, but so, isn't that, so isn't funny. that often true? With Chevy Chase? I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But like you, it's like they're, you can tell Martin short is just cracking them up all the time. And that like, they're just having a ball and that movie was not well received if memory serves. Mm -hmm. um, and, but it's so funny. It's so irreverent. It's very meta. There's a lot of like, Kind of jokes about i mean it is the plot itself is a meta plot they're they're um actors they are actually actors and they are plopped it's you know there's a movie coming out like this week maybe with sandra bullock and uh what's his face from from the mike magic mike movies that's a similar plot like they're actors and they're plopped down in the middle of oh a, right of yeah yeah kind of romantic yeah mystery. yeah, yes. yeah. Mm -hmm. and and um you know they're they're these like western heroes the three amigos that like save these small towns or whatever and then there's a small town that thinks they're real people and actually hires them to come save them and it's just so funny it's so 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 funny but i think for me as a comedian as a young comedian what really stuck out at me was how much you could tell they were doing it for each other they were just kind of making themselves laugh and i think that's something that i really took with me
on that one, I see a straight line to, yeah. you know, Wet Hot American Summer. Yes. Where, not that no one's trying because it's such a, I mean, I love that film. To well, death, well, you know what I, it is? They're it's having that, such a great time. Well, and that the joke, a lot of the jokes in Wet Hot American Summer and other things that I've done that are really comedic is the joke is that we did the joke, not the joke. Itself. Right. Yes. The yeah. joke is, oh my God, I can't believe they just did that joke. They did that joke, exactly. Like, I, you know, slipping on a banana peel or something like that, where it's like, I can't believe they actually took the time to like film themselves <laughs> slipping on it. And that that's actually kind of the joke. And I feel like there's quite a bit of that in, in Three Amigos as well. Actually, if you really want to just make my brain melt, you can tell me that um, everyone on Wet Hot American Summer hated each other. It was the worst time no, they all had. No, had, no, no. <laughs> it was as that fun. Is such a, his blue collar. <laughs> that's right. Because, <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's, but that's the kind of thing that, especially in comedy, I think, can take you through all kinds of bumps because, uh, you know, if, if you're on for the ride, um, you know, you go with those people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, Michael, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Yes, really right. this was it. an absolute a, blast. Oh, thanks, guys. Really appreciate it, and and it's a, been a big honor to 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 uh, be able to share the microphone with you both. Thanks. Uh, well, thanks. And what's what's next for? Can I ask? Because I well, I did this movie. Uh, this movie. It's called Spoiler Alert: The Hero Dies. It's with Jim Parsons and Sally Field again, and a and a British actor named Ben Aldridge, and uh, should hopefully come out in the fall. Best. Yeah. Okay. Looking forward to it. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks. Take care. Take care. Bye. Our show was recorded from several well-stocked bunkers. We can't wait to get back to beautiful downtown Burbank. We're the official podcast of trailersfromhell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the movies that made. Stay safe out there, folks. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.